0: What, I am proud of you making it out today as I was scraping snow and sleet and ice. Um, I'm really amazed that there's this many folks here, tell you the truth. Uh, special thanks to the, L, uh, the the deacons and all the people that just get the building ready. I mean, there's a lot of shoveling and scraping and salt that is spread, and we just drive in and it's taken care of. Make sure that you thank the deacons. For their diligence and hard work. This is a tough time of the year. Remember I said February, February is going to be tough. Okay? And so it has proven true so far. However, we have the wonderful privilege of being together as family. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we allow our Heavenly Father to warm our hearts, to encourage us, to teach us. And so we want to utilize every moment of this time this morning in God's Word. We want to squeeze everything out of it that's possible. So that we continually keep our focus on the Lord, we grow and mature in Him. We continue on in our series, week number two. Um, I call it Stand in Christ, on Christ, and for Christ. We're looking specifically today at the subject, Stand Strong in Salvation for the Glory of God. All the blessings and benefits that God has in store for us through salvation us. Let's bow our heads and ask God's blessing and direction on our time as we learn this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, cold, outside, and yet warm and cozy as family on the inside, we thank you for every single person that is here. We thank you, Lord, that you, in your Sovereign grace, allow us, Lord, the privilege, yet one more opportunity. We have no idea what tomorrow holds, but today you've given to us these few moments. I would pray, Lord, that we would be wise stewards, that you would, you would guide me. Father, I'm in desperate need of you. Father, I, I thank you that you offer such hope in this world, as we're reminded through Peter's words to us, through the Holy Spirit's words to us. We thank you, Lord, that you saw us and that you reached down and rescued us through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're still amazed at your mercy and grace. I pray, Lord, that we would have a renewed, refreshed reminder of that, which encourages us to be faithful. It encourages us to, to tell others, to teach others of all that you are, all that you have. Father, I would just pray that you would guard my lips and words. May everything that is spoken be for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen and amen. First Peter chapter one, our text will be verses three, four, and five. We'll read that in just a few moments. Do you ever have that um, experience where you're kind of in dialogue with someone and you kind of blank like you know you should be there, and it just you just blank out. I was simple little thing. I was actually at the drugstore this week, and I was buying a, a toothbrush simple um, transaction and, and I'm not really paying attention and inevitably the the, the woman asked me, as probably you' have been asked a thousand times, do you have your rewards card and I, I really wasn't paying attention. excuse me, um, and she said, "You know, do you have your you have your card. Are, are you are you part of the club? I thought for a moment, I'm part of the club. It's a toothbrush of course I am part of the toothbrush club. Who's not in the club? And she's like, No, no, no. You know the little thing you scan and and what happens. And I said, If I what do I get out of this? And she kinda looks at me and she goes, I think you get a coupon. And that's it. And and I thought about that How many times throughout the course of the week are you asked to join something? Something comes in your mail, join today. And and there's supposedly all kinds of benefits and blessings to becoming a member of something. And and so much so that we are constantly asking the question, okay, well, well, if I become a member of this club, if I sign up, what's in it for me? If I'm gonna, if I wanna sign my name, what am I going to get out of this deal? Now, what's interesting is that we have taken that same, what I call, consumer mindset, what's in it for me, and we have applied it to the subject of salvation. But this morning, we're going to look at a text. and Rather than asking, what do I get out of salvation? We, we really need to turn it around. We need to ask the question, How is God most glorified through my salvation? That's really the question that is at hand this morning. As opposed to this, what do I get out of it? I believe that God knew that we would be people who have an instinct that constantly, that continually look out for ourselves. And so he allowed the author, Peter, to write these verses to us this morning. I believe to to actually adjust our thinking when it comes to the subject of salvation. Peter, do you remember Peter, we kind of introduced him last week as we introduced this whole series. Let me go back a little bit. Peter was what you and I would probably call today a wild boy. Okay? He kind of was just on the very line of out of control. Almost all the time, he was, he was very, very rough, but yet you and I can easily identify with him because he is so real. Often outspoken, often out of control, but he is passionate, he is sincere, a diamond in the rough. And then Jesus called this man and Jesus patiently taught this man. The Holy Spirit filled this man and transformed him, completely changed him. To becoming what? Peter in apostle. Matter of fact, he becomes the leader of the apostles. He becomes the rock to write and to teach and to preach this letter to you and I to encourage us. Peter so rough, but yet so righteous. This book that we look at by way of review is written about 64 A.D., During the reign of Nero, the Roman emperor who hated and despised persecuted Christians, probably lit his own city of Rome on fire in order to blame it on the Christians. And so there was this intense time of persecution. This letter was written by Peter, perhaps from Rome. We do not know for sure. Probably about two to four years before he was martyred for his own faith. We know that this, this book was written, was addressed to, as we saw last week, the elect, exiles of the dispersion. These ones who are chosen by God, exiles are Jewish Christians who had dispersed throughout all of Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, because of the fact that they were being hunted and hounded for their faith. And we're reminded that God offers a safe place for them, a place of steadiness, a firm foundation for them to stand in. We know ultimately that God is a shelter by electing or choosing us, by sanctifying us or setting us apart, by atoning for our sins, by redeeming and rescuing us, as we saw last week in verse 2, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we examine this fact this morning, that there's a blood relationship that exists between us and a holy God through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ so what happens Peter continues on and he writes about the blessings and the benefits the value of being a member of the family of God the beauty of it the strength of our salvation I don't believe that Peter wrote this that God allowed Peter to write this to feed our own selfish desires this is what's in it for you However, a byproduct, inadvertently, I believe believe that God's word is very clear. You want to know what is in it? You want to know the depths and the riches of salvation? You want to know about the perks and the privileges of what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and a child of our Heavenly Father? Then here it is. Here it is for you. 1 Peter chapter 1, here's our text, verses 3, 4, and 5 this morning. Excuse me. It says blessed blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Exclamation points. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable it is undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time okay how do we do this how do we how do we stand strong in salvation for the glory of God number 1 We do this by standing strong in God's mercy for you. We know it's going to get rough out there. The winds are going to blow. It's cold. It's hard to be faithful. And how are we to stand strong? We stand strong in God's mercy for you. Our text begins with this. Blessed be God the Father, for Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great... Mercy. Another translation begins with this, Praise be to God. Blessed be to God, or praise be to God. First and foremost, understand that the focus automatically is taken off of ourselves. And it is placed rightfully on God. You want to begin by acknowledging and addressing the subject of salvation. You begin by focusing on the greatness, on the grace of and on the glory of God. Do you understand when we deal with the subject of salvation, it is based entirely on God's perfect plan to rescue and redeem creation that was created for His glory, who has abandoned, who has disobeyed, has been disobedient. And now God's purpose is to rescue us and redeem us back into relationship. And it's based on God's Loving attitude toward you. Towards me. When in reality, what? I have nothing to offer in regards to our own salvation. I have nothing to offer. I deserve nothing. Why? I am nothing. You, according to what we see, apart from God's intervention in your life, are nothing. Enter what? Enter the Holy One. Enter the Righteous One. Enter the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Enter what? The Sovereign, Savior, Creator, Redeemer. Enter who? I am who I am. M. Which means what? It ought to invoke a praise to God. It's not you. Our salvation. It's not me. We do not do anything to deserve this. There's nothing that we have done to deserve this. Have you ever been in a setting before? What I call like a, a, a wow setting. And you've had like no part of it, like zero, like nothing. Nothing. I, I, I was thinking of it like this. A number of years ago, Wendy and the kids and I, we had friends who had a beautiful condominium down in South Florida and literally parked right outside their condominium where the, the canal was, was their yacht. It was, a, it was a million dollar yacht. It was 51 feet long. With the fantail, it was 54 feet long. And I remember that we stayed in the condominium and in the morning we, we got up and went down onto the yacht and, and you began to cruise down the intercoastal waterway. Have you ever been down Boca Raton area in Fort Lauderdale and there's these mansions and you're on a million dollar yacht? It's kind of like, wow! And I remember pulling in on more than one occasion. They kind of dock to a beautiful restaurant and they would... Throw him a rope, and, and I remember walking down the little gangplank. I remember getting to the end of the gangplank, and someone came up to me and said, "Would you like your uh, Would you like your uh, boat topped off with gas? Would you like it washed or anything?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah, no, it's not mine, really. I'm concerned about the parking ticket of where I left my car outside the condominium. That's my concern. Like all of this, this is like." I have nothing to do with this. I'm just here for the ride. That's kind of the idea of what is in store for us when it comes to our salvation. When it comes to what? The fact that we are in desperate need. And it says that that God offers mercy to us. The wages of sin... Is death. It's That's what you and I deserve. If we deserve anything, we deserve death. Eternal punishment and separation from a holy God in our unholiness. And what? Enter this one who reaches down, offers salvation. He does this. God chose to love us. God chose to lavishly pour out upon you and I that which we simply do not deserve. And he does it, what, for all of eternity. It makes a million dollar yacht look like an absolute joke, is what it looks like. We're talking about God's mercy here. That is God's unmerited favor. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. God's unmerited favor towards me, towards you. As hopeless, desperate sinners in a condition that is bent towards death, you you begin to hear that you can't help but what? Praise God for that. Bless be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It begins. It kind of makes sense when the tax tax collector is is praying and he doesn't even pick up his head. But he says, "What well, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It makes sense when David in Psalm 51 realized that his sin was between him and a holy God. And he says, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner in Psalm 51. It makes sense that what in Lamentations, Jeremiah writes about His mercies, His mercies that are new every single morning. This morning God's mercy is lavishly poured out on you. Stand strong in God's mercy for you, first and foremost. Secondly, we also stand strong in salvation for God's glory by standing strong in God's new birth. God's new birth for you. It says this in the latter part of verse 3. It says that He has caused us He has caused us to be born again according to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We begin with these three words. He has caused, which means what? How do we interpret that? He has caused, which means that you and I have not caused it. He has caused salvation, what? It's not from you, Salvation is not by you. Salvation is from God. It was not your idea. We couldn't even come up with the idea of it. It was God's idea. It was God's plan for you to be born. You realize that it is God's purpose for you to be born again. Completely fresh. Completely new. New. The NIV uses the phrase "God has given us a new birth." It's the word anagenesis from the verb "beget again," used only one other time by Peter in in, in chapter one, verse twenty-three. To 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 beget again. You ever pause on this idea? Born again. Ever tried to give that? Ever try to wrap that phrase completely around you? Born again. You ever? given thought to the idea of of regeneration Stephen Sharnock writes in his classic The Existence and the Attributes of God like this he says regeneration is a universal change of the whole man it is as large in renewing us as sin was in defacing us which means what it is massive this idea of being born again beget again idea of regeneration I can't help but think that when Peter was writing these words perhaps he remembers the conversation that Jesus had with the Jewish man he, his name was, was Nicodemus he was a Pharisee if you remember in John chapter 3 who came to Jesus Christ at night inquiring in a sense who are you really? That's that's really at night, perhaps, because he didn't want to be seen. Pharisee doesn't 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 ask a Jewish carpenter. And as Nicodemus begins, he begins with this: Rabbi, teacher, one of authority. Nicodemus, the the learned, educated Pharisee, comes to Jesus at night and begins, Rabbi, he says, "We know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things unless God is with him." The first words out of Jesus' mouth. His response was what? Unless you are born again. Don't even think about seeing the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. And this is perplexing. That that phrase is perplexing. Nicodemus asked what you and I would ask. How is it that a man can be born again? When he is old, and he actually asked the question that you and I would, would ask. Does he go back into his mother's womb? Like, I'm not getting this. This is kind of like weird. Can, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? Look at the response. Go back to John chapter 3. Listen to the response of the Lord Jesus Christ himself in verse 5. In verse 6 of John chapter 3, middle of the night, this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Does he go back a second time into his mother's womb? Here's Jesus' response. Verse 5, John chapter 3. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Do you realize what Jesus is telling Nicodemus here? You, Nicodemus, you don't have a thing to say about this. In a sense, you you don't know where the wind blows. I know where the wind blows. You are recipient of this gift. Salvation is what? It is all God. Back to what Peter is teaching on this idea here. Okay, caused us to be born again. Think now, this new birth results in, it says, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a living hope. Think of it like this. Knowing that Jesus Christ died is one thing. And knowing for certain that Jesus Christ did not stay dead, but was raised again, offers what? A living hope. Just as Jesus was dead, now He is alive, that offers us something that is alive, that that breathes, that has energy living hope. Peter loves this word living. It's used six times in the book of 1 Peter alone. Living means that believer's hope is alive. It is sure. You you can pinch yourself. You know I'm here. I'm alive. It is certain. It is as real as can be. As opposed to what the false hope that the world offers today. Hope is what, hope, that's, that's what people don't have. That's what people are looking for. Hope is what pe- people cannot have apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope is the evidence, the fact that there is life, that one has been born again. There's this whole, there's this whole mindset, this mentality. YOLO. YOLO, I'm learning this term to be hip and cool. YOLO, you only live once. That is true if you're unsaved. YOLO, no, if you're an unbeliever, then then that statement is true. That that is such a desperate, that is such a sad, this is it right here. Just grab all you can get because you only go around once. That is so Hopeless, and that is so tragic. That's what the world. That's that's all the world has. This whole philosophy that says you're really just here by accident, just through some some um, accidental explosion, and then through this million year, millions upon millions of just just process that you just eventually, and and when you die, that's it. You go in the ground. Nothing. There's no divine design. You're just here by act. That, that existence, that evolutionary mindset, that lie from Satan is so hopeless. That's what the world offers you. You're just here by, you know, what, what is another, another, another message, another mentality of this world? What? You, you deserve it. Really, you you are so that just grab all you can get is is this this self-absorbed, this selfish, joyless. It is far more blessed to give than to receive. That's when we really begin to, that's when we really begin to to, to experience anything less than that is just hopeless from this world. We understand that we stand strong in, in a new birth. That Jesus Christ offers us so much more than what you see just in front of you. Stand strong in that. Be encouraged by that. Thirdly and finally, we stand strong in salvation for the glory of God by standing strong in God's inheritance for you. It says in verse 4:2, an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is unfading. I love this. It is kept in heaven for you Christ's salvation has given you an inheritance that does not fade away, now that that phrase is completely foreign we cannot identify we cannot wrap our minds around something that does not fade away, we don't understand everything breaks down everything rusts every single thing wears out so something that is imperishable, something that is undefiled, un- is completely foreign to us, yet there's this concept of an inheritance that is waiting for you. And this subject of an inheritance is a major theme throughout all of the Bible. You see it virtually everywhere that you stand ready to inherit something. Now think about the idea of inheritance is what well. there's a family connection you don't get an inheritance from some stranger on the street. you get an inheritance from family you're precious it's the position that you are. This makes what the idea of an inheritance that is even more wonderful because it's something that you get from those who care about you and it never runs out. simply being a member of the family of God, you inherit something that will last forever. I love how Hebrews 9 and verse 15 says, those who are called may receive a promised eternal inheritance. A promised eternal inheritance. You see this all the way through Scripture. Did you ever ever inherit anything before? So some of you may. And, and it's really a, a weird... I actually did, perfectly honest. My grandmother, Grandma Peters, just a precious, godly, very, very simple woman from Shemokin, Pennsylvania. Dutch, Pennsylvania, Dutch gal. And, and, and she, when you were with Grandma, she had an ability to make you feel, you personally feel that you were, you were very special and very precious to her. Grandmom was in Philadelphia area and she was getting increasingly ill and and we did not want her to die alone, apart or separated from any family. So we brought her up to Nova Scotia where we were living. It was the it was the summer that I had graduated from high school, nineteen eighty seven, before I was heading off to college. I remember the grandmom and, and, and we brought her and we wheeled her in and all the doors were tight and we could barely get her through because the house wasn't built for a wheelchair and and grandma wheeled her way into the living room and she said i'm home i'm finally home i'm home and we knew she was not going to be with us long she was going to be with the lord but we were not going to let her die alone grandma was hilarious so funny and what she would do is she was a diabetic and she was on insulin. Sometimes there were times that she was slipping a little bit. And that happens and, and in the most respectful way. And, and we would kind of chuckle about it. And Grandma, everything's all right. But what she had done is that she had actually married a very wealthy man. And Grandpa had passed away a number of years. And she had inherited quite a bit of stuff, jewelry and diamonds. And so in this summer season, I remember summer of 1987. She was calling each one of of us kids into her room by her bedside and she was giving an inheritance. Remember one day she called my brother in and he got this massive diamond ring he he later passed on to his wife when when it was time to be engaged And, and my sister was brought in another day and she was given this necklace. It was beautiful. It was diamonds. It was quite valuable. And, and I remember the day that I got called in. For some reason, it was one of those days that Grandma wasn't completely there. You know what I mean by that. And and what's interesting is that um, Grandma was like, "Timmy, come on in here. I got something for you." And I'm a 17 year old kid. Like this is so exciting. So and so, I came in. I sat down. We talked for a while. We talked about the Lord. And she said, "You know, Grandma's not going to be here. She's going to be with with Jesus soon." But I wanted to give you this. And I'm like, "Okay, what is it, Grandma?" I remember she had it in her hand, and she reached over, and I and I took it. And I I was like, "That's." It was paper. I thought that's odd. And I was like, "Grandma, thank you so much." And I didn't want to look at anything. and, And I left. And I walked out. And it was a, a crisp $1 bill that had been folded very tightly. And I was like, oh, Because wow. whenever you saw Graham, every Easter card, there was a crisp $1 bill. Every Christmas card, $1 bill. And I came out, and I'm like, I got $1. <laughs> my sister's got a necklace, and my brother's got rings, and I get a dollar! And grandma's like, you don't spend it all at one time now. I thought about that. I thought, and, and Grandma, would just we laughed later on about it. God took her home shortly after that. But you know what? I thought about that idea. I thought I had that. I was actually looking for that dollar because I don't think I remember spending it, but I couldn't find it. I thought, you know what? It's pretty typical that most of our inheritances today don't really last very long. How long really? How temporary are things in this world? And And, and it's that that complete foreign concept that God enters and He says, I have something for you. It's different than anything you've ever experienced. It's different than anything you've ever seen. It's different than anything that you can even comprehend. The word is imperishable. It does not perish, which means there's no end to it. Why? Because it cannot perish. Undefiled? That is unspotted. That is pure, that is holy. There's no tangible thing that is unholy until the inheritance that is bequeathed to us. It's undefiled. It's pure and holy because it's in heaven where God is. And and that's perfect. It says that it is unfading. Unfading is what? It doesn't need to be shined up once in a while. Right, because it never loses its shine. It's never, it's never going to lose its luster. It's as valuable today as it was a thousand years ago. It's as valuable today as it will be a thousand years, ten thousand years, ten million years from now. Think, think that's, that's a picture of the salvation that God offers you through the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, look at this text here, verses 3, 4, and 5. It introduces a section that deals with the subject of salvation, the nature of salvation, the extent of salvation, and how it evokes praise to God, who is the source of that salvation. That's why it begins with, Blessed be God, a praise be to God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's even more than that. According to his great, or the word is abundant mercy, there is an inheritance that is bequeathed to those who are obedient, to those who follow the Lord's. Inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading You will never lose it. Well, how? How does this happen? Why would this happen? Get this. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you by God's power. Are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Reserved, reserved, set apart for you, your name, by the power of God. I don't know, but that's a pretty good power source. You, you can. It's pretty sure, pretty safe, pretty secure. Reserved by the power of God. Guard it through faith in God. Resulting in salvation for the glory of God at the final manifestation of God's power and of God's glory. You get a chance this afternoon. Spend a moment on what is in store. On where you will be when you put your faith and your trust. Pause and read Revelation chapter 4. Pause and read Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 19, Revelation 20, Revelation 21, Revelation 22. You begin to get a glimpse that that's in store for me. I don't deserve that. It's all there. Salvation by God's glory will give you not just the opulence of heaven, but the opportunity to be there with God. Which means first and foremost salvation is God's what? Forgiving you for your sin. Offering you eternal life, righteousness, joy, hope, peace, perfection, God's presence with you forever and ever and ever. There's always a response. There's always a response. Yes, we understand. Okay, this is, I've done this. What is the response? Rejoice in that. Be grateful. Be reminded today. Give God the glory. Tell others of the salvation that you have received, the inheritance that awaits you. Or else what? Perhaps you're here today and you have not received it. You have not accepted God's gift. Be assured that you can accept it at this very moment. It's waiting for you. God's purpose is for you to be born again. We we are given the elements this morning to be Reminded of that through the communion table. We see all that that Christ offered for you and for me. We are reminded of the fact that salvation is nothing that you and I can come up with, but it is entirely the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, fulfilling the plan ultimately of his heavenly Father. We know that we are, what, people who tend to forget. Who, move quickly through life and so that's why we regularly stop we stop everything, we pause we quiet our hearts and we remember just as Jesus tells us until he comes again the communion table Jesus Christ when he was um, sitting with the disciples in the upper room very very moments before he was betrayed and arrested and tried and, and crucified the next day It says that he took bread, he was sitting with the disciples and he used it as an object lesson, just like you and I this morning, that that bread is visible and he broke it. And as that bread was broken, he said, this is a picture. It's not actually my body, it's a picture of my body. When Jesus broke that, he said, my body is going to be broken for you. Somebody's got to pay the price for your salvation. I'm willing to do that. Jesus also took the cup and it said that He poured it out and as He was pouring it, He reminded the disciples and Peter was there. We talked last week about the shed blood of Lord Jesus Christ. There's a visual, powerful image. Jesus said, just as this cup is being poured out, my blood will be poured out for you. Talking about the fact that our sins the blackness of our hearts can be washed white as snow through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember this. Remember this. Think of the inheritance that God has. Think about the blessings and privileges of a holy, heavenly Father offering this to you. And so we pause and we give praise to God for that. And so we're going to do that. And I invite you, if you are a believer here this morning, that this is for you. I would encourage you to take a few moments, perhaps in the quietness of your own heart, simply to praise God and thank thank God for what He has done. If you are if you are a person that's here today and you've not acknowledged and accepted and received the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then then I, I, I would encourage you to do that. You, you you could not take this with any meaning unless you first receive the gift of salvation by putting your life and your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And as we enjoy this bread together and this cup together as a family, may it be a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us, that we have that message of hope, living hope to share with others. I'm going to invite the elders to come at this time, and they're going to serve first the bread to you, and we'll ask God's blessing on both the bread and the cup. And then they'll serve the cup to you. And we will, as family, partake of this together with a wonderful reminder that this is a great gift. And we're thankful for that gift for the Lord. our heads together. Father, once again, as we are given the privilege to come before you in prayer, we come to you through and in the name of Jesus, but we recognize that it is his work on the cross. It was as a result of his body being offered and broken and his blood being poured out that allows us, Lord, to be forgiven from our sins and have a relationship with you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given in your mercy. Yet one more, yet one more time, one more day to remember your body that was broken, your blood that was poured out. Now as we take this, I would ask God that it would be a renewed reminder to express praise and gratitude and to live our lives in such a way that bring glory to the name of Jesus. Bless this now and may this be a, a reminder of all that you have done for us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. It says that the Lord Jesus Christ on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body which which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, brothers. It says, in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. just stand with this as we close... My strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love! What depths of peace! When fears are stilled, when striving ceases, my comforter. My all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.